We're 10 episodes into this. I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud of us. And there, we're, we're like, we, there are no signs of slowing down, I think. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist. I'm Joseph Drowski here with Todd Mack, and each week we look at a great character in a great story. Today we're talking about Geordi LaForge from I, Borg, the 23rd episode of the fifth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Geordi is played by LeVar Burton, and this episode was written by Rene Echevarria and directed by Robert Lederma. I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation of Lederma, but we're just going to go with that. Go for it. Uh, Rene Echevarria, he actually had a has had a long career. He's still working. He wrote over 30 episodes, Star Trek The Next Generation, and he's also worked on such series as Dark Angel, Terra Nova, and Castle, and he is the co-creator of the 4400 for the USA Network. Is Dark Angel what it sounds like to me? Uh, I I couldn't know. I I don't know what that sounds like to you. It sounds like like some version of the angel, like the Buffy angel, but like darker. It is not that. Okay. <laughs> that was called Angelus in the series. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but that TV series was Angel. Uh, the Dark Angel was... It was on Fox, but it was only like two seasons. And I'm trying to remember. I know it was a famous actress was in it. It was about some genetically altered individual kind of pseudo-powered thing. Let's see. Oh, Jessica Alba was the main character in it. Oh. Okay. That's what that was. Well, so uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what is Star Trek The Next Generation for the three people that have been living under uh, a geek rock? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was a new version of Star Trek. The original series had Captain Kirk and Spock, you know, very still iconic figures in American popular culture. And this was set, I don't know the exact number of years, but uh, maybe... We'll, we'll go with 100. I know that's not accurate, and someone will write in and tell us what the accurate number. <laughs> <laughs> More or less a century later uh, from from when that series took place. Um, and that kind of launched a new heyday for, for Star Trek. Star Trek, the original series, lasted for three seasons. And uh, then there, were, there was an animated series, and then there were a few motion pictures. But it was kind of sporadic when you get new Star Trek. And after Star Trek Next Generation launched... Uh, it took off, and then we started to have other spinoff series like Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Then eventually Enterprise, and we've had a rebooted version of uh, the original series cast in, in the J.J. Abrams films. But Todd, I, I was so surprised when I realized this about Star Trek and The Next Generation. <laughs> what is that? The original series premiered in 1966. Right. So The Next Generation then premiered in 1987. So it was 21 years later. But it is now 28 years since the Next Generation premiered. No. Wait, what? Let's see. <laughs> it's two. Right. What year? What year is it? 2015. It's 2015 right now. 1987. Whoa. So it is longer now from the premiere of the Next Generation to today than it was between the premiere of the original series to the Next Generation. Wow. That feels weird. To- doesn't it? Makes me feel old. Me too. <laughs> yeah, makes me feel old. Nineteen eighty seven, really? Yeah. My goodness. We're both older than the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> We're what what generation does that make us like the 
the next the next the next generation or, or the, <laughs> subsequent or generation. The, the, subs- the subsequent generation or like the just before the next generation generation oh you're right yeah the, isn't that is that who we are i don't know this conversation is completely derailed but that was just the weird <laughs> thing to me that uh we're farther past you know the the next generation to today is is a longer stretch of time than it was between the premiere of the original series and the next generation because that feels because i don't know if it's because we weren't alive and you know we just kind of know the original series as an artifact that feels like that was a really long stretch yeah well it just feels like the the original series is like ancient history it's really dated uh yeah because of the 60s and not Extra, like this, which is not dated at all. Not dated in any way, <laughs> especially if you go watch season one of The Next Generation. <laughs> Nothing dates that. No. Uh, well, uh, there's not people's There's hairdos. actually um, a little thing that went on the internet, and it was a picture of Patrick Stewart from The Next Generation, and they had an episode where it was like, this is what he will look like when he's X number of years old, and then they had a picture of what he actually looks like now, which is that many years. Uh-huh. He looks great. He looks way better you now know, than they expected him to in look. My notes, <laughs> and in my notes for the discussion of this, I wrote down, uh, this is the quote, does Patrick Stewart age? Ever. <laughs> um, I've seen some pictures on Twitter of Patrick Stewart where he looks like an, like an old man. Like, he looks like uh, people that, yeah. I mean, he looks very, he looks very, very old now, right. but I think when he like gets cleaned up and when does, he, you know, when puts he on had... his Patrick Stewart face, then he, then he just looks like, uh, he just looks like Picard always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Professor X, which was also 15 years ago when that one premiered in oh, the yeah. X-Men movie. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I should stop doing this apparently. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so tonight we're going to talk about Jordy LaForge. Um, he is played by LeVar Burton, who I really know from reading Rainbow, way more than I remember him from uh, Star Trek. And uh, this episode is called I Borg, so, um, so I'm going to give a really quick synopsis, and here it goes. Uh, the episode starts with the, the Enterprise receiving a distress signal from some remote moon on some, some remote system and they arrive at the place and there's only one sign of life uh there's a there's a borg like scout ship and all the borg are dead except for one who is still barely alive and um so uh, dr crusher is there and Riker is there Worf is there um when they when they tell Kirk or when they tell Kirk, <laughs> I'll probably do that a uh, hundred times over the next uh, however long we're talking about this. Uh, they tell Picard, and Picard, uh, you can tell, is pretty disturbed by this. So at the very end of season three, the this the episodes that end season three and begins uh, season four of uh, Next Generation. Um, Picard is abducted by the Borg and assimilated into the Borg. He turns into a Borg called Locutus. Um, and Should you so, explain what the Borg are? Uh, yeah, I will explain what the Borg are. The Borg are an alien race, um, humanoid, and they their shtick is they uh, assimilate everybody else. So they assimilate civilization, so they'll... Um, come in with their ship that's shaped like a cube, and they uh, they turn them into cyborgs. They're cyborgs. They're half human, half robot, and they have a cool uh, like eye patch thing. And they are a collective conscience. They have like a hive mind. 
So there's no individuality. You just become part of the Borg when you become assimilated. And normally there's no names for the Borg, but when Picard became a Borg, he was called Locutus because he was specifically a Borg that was meant to uh, interact with humanity. So they were trying to make kind of make one figure that was a bridge. Yes. Uh, and then he was saved and uh, turned back into a human, uh, but he is still um, kind of suffering the traumatic effects of having been turned into a robot uh, or a cyborg and then and then turned back. So he's pretty concerned about this. He says, we should kill this thing. Riker says, we should kill this thing. Worf says, we should kill this thing. And uh, Dr. Crusher says, we cannot kill this thing. I'm a doctor, and we we can't kill it. We have to take it back to the ship. Uh, Picard agrees, so they bring this deadly, uh, terrible, fearsome Borg uh, onto their ship, and all kinds of drama ensues as they try to figure out what to do with it, how to help it, uh, should they help it. Um, and so that's, that's my quick, summary. Yeah, the quick version. Uh, so uh, if that sounds interesting, there's a number of places you can get this. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray that you can get through Amazon. There'll be a link in our show notes on our website. And it's also streams on Netflix and maybe Amazon Prime. I'm not 100% sure on that one. But it's, it's pretty, Star Trek is, is, they've made it available. If you want to find it, you should be able to find it. Yep. So Todd, how familiar are you with Star Trek? Um, <laughs> I would say more so than the average human being, far, far, far less than the average Trekkie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, a good, yeah, because uh, Star Trek inspires a deep fandom for those who really uh, engage with it. Uh, I like I like Star Trek. I like Star Trek a lot. Um, the original series, I'm like, Whoa. I really love the characters. Um, I I have a far stronger connection to the films than I do to the the TV series, and especially um, uh, number four, Star Trek four. Is it four? The the whale one with the whales. Yes, yeah. uh, because we um, recorded that off of TV when I was a kid. And so we had it on VHS, and I watched it just over and over and over and over and over again. I really, really, for, really for, liked it. For our younger listeners, there was a day when you didn't have hundreds, <laughs> if not thousands, of <laughs> options for viewing. Uh, right. So if, if your family owned a videotape, uh, they probably owned 10 at most different unique things that you could watch. And so you got to know those things pretty well. Yeah, so, um, we, uh, yeah, so we, were, we were big into not buying uh, videos because that was too expensive, but we would record things off of TV. And so we had recorded St- Star Trek four and I watched it, uh, quite a few times, uh, did, like did, a lot of times when I was a kid. Like my, like our family, did you record on the EP? So it was the lower quality, but you could fit more things onto a, oh, yeah, absolutely. a VHS tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad, <laughs> but, but it was great. Um, so that's, and then, uh, I liked the next generation. I was never, I, I, I mean, I've seen, episodes but i don't really know arcs very well i sort of um know moments and characters i know all the characters like the the main characters um pretty well i've seen all of the films uh i really have enjoyed the new reboot um and so i like it enough to like appreciate it um i'm not into it enough to like worry about continuity or trivia. <laughs> You're not going to win a trivia challenge. <laughs> like I'm not going to win a trivia challenge. Not yeah. uh, ever, not in a million years, but, but yeah, like I know it and I like it. And so that's, that's uh, how I am. Yeah. I had never, I had never seen this episode. 
until today. I think I I'd seen most of the Next Generation episodes. I, d- I can't say for sure that I've seen them all. Uh, I'd seen a lot of the original series because <laughs> my family had uh, recorded on multiple VHS tapes a marathon of Star Trek, <laughs> the original series. <laughs> and almost what I remember more than the the episodes of the original series from, from those you know, like four tapes that had recorded the marathon of every single episode, I think, are the commercials that kept playing in between uh, <laughs> from the 1980s. Um, uh-huh. But then in, in high school, I watched a lot of Star Trek, uh, Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. I've seen all the movies. I have seen much less of Voyager, and I, I've never seen a single episode of Enterprise. So it's kind of like you. I, I am quite familiar with what Star Trek is. I probably know and have seen more than you know the average casual person who isn't a big fan of Star Trek, but the big fans of Star Trek are going to know an awful lot more about Star Trek than I do. You Have you ever dressed up and gone to like a con? I have never dressed up for a con. I've been to a, a Comic-Con um, the Salt Lake City Comic Con, but I never uh-huh. have worn a costume. I've taken my you've daughter never, dressed you've as never a Batgirl. Like, oh, really? yes. You've never gone uh, like like as a Trekkie to a to a Star Trek convention. To a Star Trek convention? No, I've not. Okay, um, I'm just looking right here. So help me with this math. There are 79 episodes of the original series plus 178 episodes of the Next Generation plus. Let's go Deep Space Nine. Uh, 176 episodes of Deep Space Nine. Are you keeping track here? <laughs> oh, hold on. 78 uh, of the original. 178. 176. Um, Voyager. You're looking at 172 episodes of Voyager. I had no idea there were that many of Voyager. Plus <laughs> Enterprise. Probably 100 or so. Um, Probably 120, maybe. It was five seasons, I think, of that. Um, I am not getting, let's see, I'm not getting an, an easy number here. Well, you've also forgotten the animated series. I didn't even know there was an animated series. <laughs> it, it was filmation. Uh, from what I've heard, a lot of the stories are actually pretty good, but the animation quality is so distracting, they're almost unwatchable. Yeah. Maybe we should do an episode about that. Uh, I'm not... I- I've, well, I've, I think we we're already over 600 episodes of Star Trek. I know Trek, a lot of people who don't like Enterprise enough to even count it, so let's just not count <laughs> it and call it how, how many episodes into it. I had 604. We? 604. So if we go 604 times, what, 45 minutes per? Yeah. 27,180 minutes, which would be uh, 453 hours, which would be uh, 18, almost 19 days. And this is omitting... Uh, what a dozen feature films or ten feature yeah. films, <laughs> and an animated series and an entire live action series. <laughs> yeah. So basically, if you've seen all of those, shame on you. <laughs> you need to go. You need to go live. No, life. no, not shame on you. People are allowed to like what they like, <laughs> and they can binge what they want to binge. Okay, that's fine. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to be judgmental. But if but this is goodness, something you want to become days? a big fan of, that is a big commitment. Just know it's a, it a commitment to, to become a trekkie. That that was sobering because there was a there was a time in my life when I was like, okay, I'm going to go through original series season one episode one. I'm just going to watch them all, and now I'm cured of that. <laughs> So I'm glad I just went through that little exercise. I feel a weight lifted off my shoulders. (laughs) If you would like, I do recommend there's a podcast called Mission Log, which is attempting to go episode by episode through every Star Trek thing that has ever been made. (laughs) And uh, so if you like listen to podcasts when you're doing dishes or, you know, when you're going on a jog or whatever, you, you, 
you know, you can multitask and hear about, you know, their discussion of what happens in, in all of Star Trek. And it's, it's a pretty good podcast. I think they're somewhere in the first season of Next Generation, so they still have plenty of work ahead of them. <laughs> There's also one on the Incomparable Network called Random Trek, where the these guys just pull, like, a random episode, and then they watch it, and then they talk about it. So... There's plenty. There's plenty to do. So uh, anyway, so let's talk about uh, Jordy. We're going into the spoiler zone, so if you don't want to be spoiled, then you should stop listening. But yeah, th- I think this is a really interesting episode, and I think it's one where we're almost gonna maybe have too wide of a lens because there's so many interesting right. character beats um, amongst the other characters as well. But Jordy has, for me, the the most interesting relationship with the Borg, um, whom he names. How did how did you guys settle on doing this episode with Jordy specifically? It's kind of like he is a main character in this episode, but he's not the exclusive main character in this episode. Yeah, uh, there uh, lots of the other characters. It's a strong ensemble piece. Uh, a lot of characters have really strong beats, and then there's some characters who don't have a whole lot to do. I mean, Worf barely appears, <laughs> uh, but but Picard Worf just says, "I think we I should believe- kill him." <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about that moment. We'll get in it. Um, we knew we wanted to talk about Jordy LaForge, and the way we settled on this episode is I looked at a couple Star Trek sites, and I googled best Jordy LaForge episodes, <laughs> and uh, there were several sites that had, had polls that had hardcore Trekkies voting on them, and this episode was far and away on every site that I had looked at, the one that had the most votes, and so I said, well, let's, let's do that one. It is, I really liked his role in this um, thing. Because he has a full arc. Some of the Some of the characters... Uh, like Dr. Crusher, she just kind of starts right. compassionate. Um, and he he doesn't start with uh, really the anger that Picard has. He just kind of starts with disinterest. Kind of, here's the problem. I've been asked to solve yeah, well, it. Well, and that's, he does that well. I mean, he's a, he's a good soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so so Picard asks him, uh, you know, the first thing he's told is, I'm bringing a Borg, a Borg, a Borg ship. And Say you can see like other characters half. are a little freaky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, some characters are a little freaked out by this, but he says, I'm bringing a Borg aboard, and I need you to make a dampening field so it can't signal the collective. And George says, That's okay. Right. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> he, he goes to do it. He is, very, uh, he is some a other very capable man, I'll just say. <laughs> yes. He, uh, yeah, any any engineering task was put before him, he's going to try and find a solution. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned it, but um, Jordy does have the iconic uh, visor over his eyes. Uh, which, as a kid, I remember playing with my sister's headbands and putting. I did the exact same eyes, thing. <laughs> <laughs> literally made me blind. <laughs> well, I think I think it's worth, I w- I I think try it's worth just touching on because um, eyes are really important for acting, and he doesn't get to use his eyes to act, and and yet I, I think he still does an admirable job. Yeah, you you definitely can still yeah. read his emotion, which is I, I think w- w- no small feat given the fact that he has this big silver and it looks so weird. Like I was looking at it and I thought that does not look cool. It just looks weird. Maybe it was cool. I mean, I'm sure it, it was cool back then. We we both did put our our sister's headbands around our eyes to look like Jordy, but looking at it now, I'm like that does not look cool. Uh, but well, and it's one of those things that you get so used to that you kind of forget it's yeah. strange. Like when you actually look at Superman's costume, you're like, mm, yeah, it's a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've read, you know, a hundred Superman co- comic books, it's just kind of like, oh, that's what it is. And the same for Jordy's oh, visor. Yeah. Uh, when you actually look at it as a piece, uh, you know, of, of something that an actor's wearing on their face, it's kind of like that. Th- that looks strange when you actually consider it. And it ha- 
I can't imagine it was not distracting for LeVar Burton to be wearing yeah. the visor. I, I seem to um, remember. Well, um, there's an ep- there. I think there's an episode of Reading Rainbow when he goes to the Next Generation set, and he's like talking to the people and showing how to they put the makeup on, and he talks about his visor and how it works. And I may just be totally making that up. It may have been like a a dream or something. I want it to be true. I really think that it is. Uh, what I, I really think that it's a real thing. Okay, uh, go ahead. One thing I, I, one thing I did to get ready for this was I watched an early episode, like the the earliest one that I could. I mean, the earliest one on Netflix, so the first episode, and I tried to find the first introduction of Jordy, and I don't know if this was it because it was going. I was scrolling through pretty fast, but you mentioned how easily he followed Picard's order there, and the first thing I saw him do was come to tell Riker that the ship was delayed. And Riker looks at him and he says, is this an official report? And Geordi has to stand at attention. And so that, that soldier, that military, that, that obedient streak seems to have actually been a very significant character trait that they carried into five seasons of it, at least. And he, uh, I was doing a little, a little um, uh, research today, Geordi LaForge research, and um, I found out that uh, Jordy actually came to his position because uh, because Picard was impressed by him when he was like an ensign or something, and he had to shuttle Picard from some one place to the other. And Picard said, "Oh, your your ship isn't working at its full capacity or something." And so he spent the whole night. I'm maybe I'm I'm sure I'm like totally butchering this, but anyway, he spent the whole night working on his ship. And then in the morning, Picard was like, "Wow, your ship is in much better shape, and you should come." be with us on our ship and i think it was maybe even pre-enterprise or something like from some obscure novel yeah from some obscure novel or something but anyway yeah talking about how much star trek has been produced we left out all the comic (laughs) books and novels (laughs) that have been published about this franchise um but yeah he uh, it's interesting to watch geordie's arc in this um as he yeah, like I said, at first he's he's almost indifferent to the Borg being on the ship. He's like, my job is to make the dampening field, and then my job is to make sure you get the energy that you need because the Borg don't actually eat; they convert energy into the nutrients that they need. So he makes uh, an adapter to allow the Borg to eat, and the Borg kind of talks to him a few times, and he's he's pretty dismissive at first, uh, but then you start to see a few deeper conversations happen uh, about what. Um, uh, what an individual is versus a collective. I have to stop you. I have uh, to stop you. How... I'm sorry. I'm totally listening to everything yeah. that you say, <laughs> but <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just found a website. Did you I just find found a website called at? Topless Robot that has, that has a, a blog that post is... called The Eight Nerdiest Reading, Rap- Re- Reading Rainbow Episodes, and, uh, <laughs> and from eight to one, and number one is called The Bionic Bunny Show. And that is the episode where LeVar Burton takes, it says, um, it was a no-brainer that two shows would eventually collaborate in some fashion, and they did just that when LeVar Burton gave good little nerd boys and girls everywhere a vicarious VIP tour of the entire show's set, makeup, trailers, and visual effects department. And apparently it's on YouTube, so we'll put that in show notes. I'm sorry. Go, please go, please continue. I will, I will definitely yes, watch please it. continue. <laughs> um... So I guess the first moment where you start to see uh, Jordy LaForge kind of become intrigued, and I don't know that this is an intrigue with the Borg 
that he has in front of him as an individual or just kind of the sciency curiosity because the Borg keeps saying we and Jordy finally says who is we um, and he starts to get an insight into how the Borg collective works and I, th- I think at first it's almost more of a scientific curiosity mm-hmm. uh, than any interest in this this figure as an individual uh, that he cares about at all and the order that Picard gives to Jordy after they have the Borg on, on board, is that he needs to essentially turn this Borg into a Trojan horse that will feed a virus into the entire Borg collective. And Jordy just, you know, like he does at the very beginning, he just says, okay, I'm going to, you know, I, I'll try and work it out. Um, as you said, he's very competent. So, but, but in order, <laughs> but in order to do it, he has to spend quite a bit of time with the Borg to try to uh, to get him to run tests and um, as he's testing his ability to process information, um, then it gives him... They do this, like, a lot, lots of... <laughs> I love it in Star Trek when they do this kind of hand-waving. Hand, hand <laughs> They're like, we'll do this blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, yes, absolutely. That's, that's, that makes total sense to me. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> in my, uh, in my teenage years, when I was in- engaged a lot more Star Trek than I have been recently, I remember reading, I-, I can't remember where it was. It would have been in a book or magazine somewhere, but they said the screenwriters would just write in jargon right. when it got to a, they, their need for a scientific explanation and they would farm it out to their science advisors. They had like PhDs yeah. who worked at universities who were their, their science advisors and they would send them the scripts with where the jargon needed to be filled in. And those guys would write in the yeah. jargon for them. Well, that's definitely what's <laughs> happening here. So Anyway, there's lots of, it's like blah, 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 sciencey, jargony stuff. Bottom line, Jordy has to spend a lot of time with this Borg uh, asking him questions. And, and at first they're terrified of him. So he's got this force field up and, and the, there's, there's always multiple, multiple security, security guards, guards around right, with yeah, phasers. Absolutely. And, and it's like, okay, put the force field down. Now I'm going to step through. Okay, and then we'll put it back up. So like if this Borg goes absolutely psycho, then only the people that are like locked in the room with him will be torn to shreds or assimilated into the Borg or something. And it doesn't take very long before they realize like this, 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 uh, this being is like no threat, represents no threat at all. After Jordy asks about like the who is we, they start talking about designations and the Borg gives his name as uh, third of five. Because on the little scout ship that had crashed, the other four had died. He was the third, you know, whatever. However they established their rank, he was the third one in that, that ship. And that's his Borg name. And, the you know, they they explain, you know, I'm Jordy, this is Beverly Crusher. Um, you know, we, we don't go by numbers. We have, we have names. And th- there's um, some interesting moments where the Borg says things like, well you know, you don't have voices in your head <laughs> all the time. Like when you sleep, you don't hear, hear voices in your head because as a collective, he always hears everyone else. And, and Jordy kind of like adamantly is like, no, I'm an individual. And the board confused says, aren't you lonely? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so the kind of, I guess the learning about the other cultures is going both directions in these as, uh, Jordy, both for his, uh, the task he's been given by his captain, but also as he becomes more fascinated with this Borg and comes to see him, not just as this other, um, you know, the capital O other, uh, and starts to see him as an individual. He, he wants to understand him and, and it's going that, both ways. Um, it's, it's probably impossible to, uh, overestimate the influence of Crusher in this whole thing. The doctor. Um, yeah. It's hard to imagine those conversations taking place without her kind of uh, prodding. Sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently, but like really forcing the people around her to think about what they're doing. And, and she's the one that 
that challenges Jordy initially and says, uh, you know, we're treating this 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 thing like a like an animal, uh, like, a like a lab rat, and um, and I, I don't. She the, just the, she says the I just called. don't see that. Like all I see is yeah, a scared lonely compared. boy, oh, like a scared lonely boy, and and I just want to help it. And and you can see Jordy <laughs> again, like this, <laughs> without being able to see his eyes. You can sort of see this look in his eyes, like, oh. Yeah, you can yeah, see him processing. processing. This so, anyway. I, I jotted down the things the Borg is compared to, and there's a rat in a cage, a lab rat, a pet, a child. Uh, but then by the end, everyone sees him as he, yeah. as this individual, because Jordy, uh, in that conversation, when they're talking about names and other things, um, they, they give the Borg <laughs> a name. It's kind of a cheesy scene <laughs> where the Borg is saying who? I think he's saying he says who, you. right? You. you. Oh, you. But Jordy's like, no. You, that that will be your name. <laughs> so that scene is a little cheesy, but they give him the name Hugh, uh, which works throughout the rest. Of, like once you're past that scene, and you don't really think back on it. It is a it is a totally um, weird we, name. It's sort of like um, it's sort of like the uh, the trolls in in the Hobbit. <laughs> name like when, Bob, oh. Harry, and Bert, or something like that. Like, <laughs> Hugh the Borg. <laughs> After, yeah, they give Picard Locutus, uh, but they're just Hugh. Yeah. They're going to be Hugh. <laughs> um, I, what you were saying about Beverly Crusher, it made me want to go back to that first scene when the away team beams down and they, they see yes. the Borg. And when they Riker reports back to the captain, you know, there's Borg down here, and then one of them's a survivor. And you see uh, Worf want to fight, and you see Picard want to engage in flight. Like, there's this yes. adrenaline rush. And he says, we're beaming you up. We're getting out of here. Uh, and But Crusher is just complete compassion. She's like, no, there's a life here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a doctor. I need to work to save it. And I don't know if this is bad writing, because it doesn't hold up throughout the rest of the episode, or if it, it, you could explain it as fine writing, because it's just Picard, because of his trauma with the Borg, having that pure 100% flight response, saying we're getting out of here. Uh, but Picard says, no, you can't treat him, because that will let the Borg know that we're here. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, ah, Jordy, you can beam down with him, and the other Borg will see you, but they won't bother you. No, they're not going to care. <laughs> <laughs> Jordy's just standing there when these other Borg arrive yeah. later in the episode. <laughs> so it, was, it like really wouldn't have been a big deal for Crusher to help him, because they wouldn't care that the Enterprise were there, because the Borg, yeah, within their collective, they've been given missions, and <laughs> all they will do is fulfill that mission. It's not like they're going to suddenly turn and attack the Enterprise. Uh, because they found out that they treated one of the Borgs. All they're going to do is go recover the dead, you know, because that's their mission at that Except moment. Except that they seem to kind of have a thing with the Enterprise. Or is that, do we, are we assuming that that's over? Uh, it, it's hard to say. I, this also, kind of like the, how long it's been since Star Trek The Next Generation premiered, kind of blew my mind. When I was double-checking, this is only the fourth out of only six episodes in yes. all Star Trek The Next Generation in which yeah. the Borg appear, which... My memory, you know, which is, you know, from when I was a teenager, was that the Borg were kind of this constant yeah. menace. But they're, I, they're in a lot of the big episodes, the Locutus two-parter. Uh, this is a famous episode. They're, they have a movie, you know, the, the First Contact mm-hmm. has the Borg um, as the primary villain. But they're, they're not, like, you know, pervasive throughout every they, season. I wonder if it's similar to the Daleks and Doctor Who. Yeah, if you mix the Daleks and the Cybermen, you yeah, have the Borg. basically. <laughs> Destroy, destroy. We yeah. will assimilate, <laughs> or you will be assimilated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I uh, I had actually a, a different question about the first. Um, so Picard has this flight response, and you can see it like very clear. And Patrick Stewart is uh, 
by any measure, a fine, fine actor, and you know what's going on with him when you see him, always. And so you can see he's terrified and he wants out. And then he says, let's bring it on. And some of the things that he says makes it sound like, like, yes, this is Jean-Luc Picard who is uh, always does the right thing and he, this is him doing the right thing. And then it, the Borg is not on the ship very long before Picard is like, okay, we're going to upload a virus into this thing and then we're going to send it back and destroy all of the Borg. And it makes me wonder if there ever was like a humanitarian moment, even initially for him. I don't think there was. My thought was he had that initial flight response, uh, but his processing became immediately. Maybe I yeah. can use this to to stop I think, the board. Uh, that's how that's how I read it. The first time, the first time that I watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, because Crusher is making the right decision, and she's, uh, she's influencing him, and so he's going along with her plan. And then I, the second time that I watched it, you know, three hours later, I was like, no. <laughs> he's never following her plan. His plan is we're going to upload a virus into this thing. Weaponize yeah, this thing. we're going to weaponize it, and we're going to eliminate the Borg because they turned me into one of them. And, and when Troy, the thing that really, the thing that really uh, sold that, idea for me is when Troy tries to talk to him. Troy, she's the counselor. She's like the psychologist. Yeah. The, uh, the, the empathic, empathic counselor. counselor. Yes. And she, uh, she comes in, she tries to talk to him and she's like, you have been traumatized and now there is a board on our ship. Uh, do you want to talk about this? And he's like, Nope, I've got it taken care of. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes, I think that he does think that he has it taken care of, <laughs> but he's not it, like not, uh, willing to engage in this, like on any emotional level. All right, Todd, what do you think of uh, the pace of Jordy's uh, changing opinion about the Borg? Um, well, he only has 45 minutes to do it, so, you know, like he's got to... <laughs> I mean, does it, does it <laughs> yeah, work for it you, though? I, it didn't seem weird to me. Um, the, the, the thing... Yeah, I like that. I like the pacing of it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, in spite, in spite of the fact that I did fall asleep the second time I was watching it. <laughs> He lost a few bits. All of a sudden, it was his best it friend. Was, it was definitely one of those, like, I'm watching it, and then I blink, and then it's over. And I'm like, wait a second. Uh, I don't... I think I missed, like, the last 20 minutes of this thing. Um, that was a very um, abrupt end. Oh. It's like, they, here they are talking, like, Whoopi Goldberg's in, talking to him, and then all of a sudden, it's like, roll, end credits. And I'm like, wait a second. I think I missed some stuff. Well, I was going to bring up Whoopi Goldberg next, because that's one of my other yes. favorite conversations, uh-huh. is... Uh, LaForge with, uh, I think her name it is Guinan. Uh, Picard, Picard calls her Guinan. Um, and so Guinan is usually this kind of sage uh, voice mm-hmm. of wisdom on the starship. She's, I mean, this is a classic trope, the bartender that everyone brings yes. their problems to. And she says something very insightful and then they have the solution and they go off. But she has a very different role in this one because her uh, her people, her planet was destroyed by the Borg. And they're scattered, you know, they have no home. And so she has the same kind of visceral reaction to the Borg that Picard does. And so when Jordy goes and has a conversation with her where, he, where he's kind of doing the bartender, you know, talking to the bartender about his problems, he's like, oh, I've been given this task where I'm supposed to upload this virus. And at first I was fine with it, but now it's kind of hard because I, I gave him a name. He's different. Yeah, he's Hugh now, which there's this whole, I mean, that gets into a lot of social theory about prejudice and about othering that it's easy to hate 
a group, but it's, it becomes a lot more difficult when you know an individual uh, that belongs to that group to view them the same way you did before. And that's, uh, you know, what, what Jordy's experiencing. Um, now, this does open a lot of interesting issues because this isn't a traditional Borg that he's coming to know. Like, they've changed the nature right. of this Borg uh, through cutting him off from the collective, through giving him a name and teaching him about individuality and what Picard calls singularity, you know? And, <laughs> uh, so, so this isn't like he's coming to know a Borg as one of the Borg. He's getting to, you know, separated this Borg off and made a different, you know, changed his nature as he gets to know him. But now he can't say, I'm just yeah, going to send him back to the Borg to what he was. way humanized, like far beyond any, any other Borg that we ever have met. Yeah, uh, I had a friend who, when I told him we were doing this episode, he's like, oh, you mean when, the one when Jordy completely destroys the Borg is the awesome villain they were? <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, it, it's interesting because, um, I mean, Star Trek has done this because the Klingons were like the big bad that, you know, in the original series, and then we start to the next generation, and now Worf is on the bridge. And I, you know, I, I was five years old when it premiered, but I've, I've heard that some fans were like, what is a Klingon doing on the bridge? <laughs> the Enterprise, that's, that's the bad guy. But Star Trek likes to show this change. And between original series and next generation, we kind of missed that change. Like it right. just happened. Um, but this is showing a change happening in our, in the Federation's relationship with the Borg in this episode. And so if you liked the Borg as almost the force of nature, like a, a horde of locusts uh-huh. that's coming through, you're not going to like them as they, they shift and gain more individuality. Um, I just had two thoughts and, um, we've gone completely afield of where we started, which was talking about Guinan. So we need to loop back there after your two thoughts. Okay. Well, I think I just lost one and a half of them. So <laughs> I'm just going to let the other half go and, uh, okay. and it will come, no, it will come back to me, but, um, uh, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it but again. The- cause I, cause I think it will, I like Guinan a lot. Um, she's a really good actress. Like I, I really, uh, I, I liked it. Um, I liked her fencing scene with Picard. Um, <laughs> it was a little slow paced. I thought the editing now would be tightened up yeah, on that scene. Um, but I, I was also, I, my, my very vague memories when I saw her, I was like, oh, whoopee, it's whoopee, <laughs> whoopee, <laughs> like, uh, from little rascals. <laughs> um, but I was like, I was so happy to see her. And then I had these really vague memories trickle in of her being this, um, this very wise sage. And she's like, she's, you can see her sort of seething at him for having brought the Borg on and at Picard. And then at Jordy for yeah. saying, I don't see him as just a villain anymore. I'm, you know, it's hard for me to do what I've and then to do he now. says, he says, I just see him as a little kid. And she says, well, when that little kid's big brothers come looking for him, uh, we're going to be in big trouble. And he says, well, why don't you go talk to him? And she says, I don't have anything to say. And he says, why don't you just listen? And that's her race is that she's, she's actually not human. She's a listener. I think that's her race. <laughs> Something this, like that. Is this kind of like in star Wars when, uh, you know, Greedo, every, every alien that's Greedo's race now becomes a bounty hunter because that's what we saw him as. <laughs> and so we see Whoopi Goldberg as a listening bartender now, all of her race. No, 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 no. I think that I really, no. <laughs> hey, okay, stop. I know. What I'm, I'm just saying this is, a, this is a sci-fi trope, that once you meet one member of, a, of an alien race doing a, a role, suddenly every member of that alien race is exclusively that thing. Hang on a second. 
There, there's her name is Guinan. Legitimacy to this because like she has yeah she, she's very old. She's hundreds of years old, and like she's interacted with the Q and the Borg and everything. And and her race has some sort of extra perception. Yeah, kind of like the Betazoids okay. with Dan. Uh, I'm just going to read straight from the Memory Alpha, which is the official Star Trek wiki, I think. Uh, Guinan was a mysterious bartender in 10 Forward, the lounge aboard the USS Enterprise D. She was well known for her wise counsel, which had proven invaluable many times. She was an El Aurian, a race of listeners who were scattered by the Borg. So, I'm not making it up. I'm, I'm not saying you were wrong. I was just saying this is a sci-fi trope yes. that comes up. Of, <laughs> you know, everything of a certain alien race becomes that that soul. Yeah, but she thing found a good because, you know, she all found a good job for the, her uh, <laughs> given skill set. Yes, as a you know, hundreds of year old, centuries old being who's entered you know <laughs> before encountered godlike beings and everything else in the universe, she's going to be the bartender. Yes, well, she's a good listener because that's what her race is. <laughs> Anyway, I, I do enjoy the character. I know we've kind of gone uh, in a different right. direction there. But that conversation with, with Jordy was one of my favorites. And then she goes and has the conversation. I mean, it kind of becomes a game telephone. She talks to Jordy. Then she goes and talks to Hugh. And then she goes and talks to Picard in his loungewear, which was <laughs> <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> really hairy chest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because after she goes and talks to the Borg, um, I don't know if it's because, you know, of her people being listeners or whatever, but when she hears him talk, she realizes this is not what I expected. Um, this is not the, again, the the kind of locust force of nature version of the Borg, which is all we met before. Yeah. And she, and she, she goes and tells Picard, you need to talk to him. And he's like, I don't want to talk to him because Picard, I think, knows. I can't, I have to think of, if, if I'm going to employ my plan, I have to think of this Borg as a tool and not as a person. And at first, I don't think he ever would have crossed his mind to think of him as a person, but he's seen what has happened with Jordy and he's heard Crusher's arguments and he sees now that Guinan is changing. It's the thing that's, it's the thing that happens when you know that you are on the wrong side of an argument and people are, people are making this argument against you and you're like, (laughs) stop talking to me because I know that you're right. And it makes me very, very upset that like that you are and i you can see picard going through that i remember having a discussion with my wife at one point (laughs) not an argument a discussion uh but she said something and it made like the light go on and i knew i was completely wrong (laughs) whatever i was i can't even remember what the decision was but i remember distinctly yeah just one time uh but i remember her saying like can't you see it this way and I was like, yes, but I don't want to right now. Stop. Stop <laughs> so, making so much sense. <laughs> so we're going to move on. Like, I don't want to admit that you're right at the moment is kind of what Picard yeah. is feeling. And and then Picard has a really great scene with Hugh, uh, which uh, this was another one where I'm like, does that make sense? Because uh, he told uh, Jordy to put the dampener around the cell, but they've started to beam this Borg all over the spaceship. <laughs> so is he sending a signal out? <laughs> To, to the Borg. Uh, Stop thinking about the stuff so much. You're ruining, you're ruining the whole thing. Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised when when Hugh met Picard and Picard went into like Borg mode. Yeah, I didn't see. I, I didn't remember that happening. Um, but I liked yeah. it. He says, "I am," and, and you, the boy and Hugh recognizes Picard. He says, "You are, you are Locutus," and he says, "Yes, I am," and. Uh, you need to assimilate all these people. And Hugh says, well, they don't really want to be assimilated. And 
he says, you, you have to. Resistance is futile. And he says, actually, resistance isn't futile because I was just talking to Guinan and she says that, like, <laughs> we tried to kill all of her people and some of them got away. So, like, resistance actually isn't futile. And, I mean, it's all... <laughs> None of this is nearly as eloquent as what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And, and that's when Picard realizes, like, wow, this is, this is not uh, Borg-like, like the ones that I know. Yeah, and I think it's when he's having the conversation with Guinan that, you know, Picard yells out, it's not a Borg, or it's not a person, yeah. it's a Borg. Um, and this is the moment where he's having to say, uh, this is a person, because... Um, he says, like, what's your designation? And at first the Borg says, we are Hugh. He finally gets to admit that he's, you know, just to say we are right. third of nine. Or third of five. Third of five. Third of You're five. thinking of seven of uh, nine. The, who is the other Borg character <laughs> that becomes a regular on, on uh, Voyager, I Which think. Which now her name um, makes so much sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> the wouldn't it be seventh of nine if this one is third of nine? Or third of five? I think they changed that. Okay. I, I think seven of nine sounds better than seventh of nine. It's kind of hard to say. Um, but at the end of that scene, he says, I, you know, for the first time he uses I, he says, I am mm. you. Um, and the other thing that's kind of interesting in that scene, because this whole episode is dealing with individuality versus part of a collective. Um, and, or no, this is a, the later scene. Sorry, I, I was jumping ahead. We'll get to that that beat in a minute. Uh, because after Picard realizes he's he's wrong, he brings in Jordy and Crusher. Right. And Riker, who, who's kind of there in the scene. This is one of those episodes where Riker's just kind of around yeah. <laughs> set dressing. Uh, but he says, you know what? Uh, I don't think we can do my plan, my master plan. And, and oh, Jordy and Data had actually found the way that they were going to destroy the entire yeah. Borg race. Um, with a geometric shape, of all things, <laughs> that it was going to cause uh, it pandemonium by the Borg. I'm not going to get into the details. The way I understood it was basically they were going to upload an M.C. Escher drawing into him, and he was going to like... <laughs> and the Borg were just going to keep looking at it, like, not that, compute, that like, cannot exist. compute, that just, that and then exist. it was going to, like, their, all their brains were going to explode. Yeah. Uh, in the original series, there's a few episodes that are famous for, like, Kirk just doing kind of verbal jujitsu against a computer and making the computer, like, cease one <laughs> And this, this was like that on a long, larger scale, <laughs> like an entire race. Uh, but Crusher throughout has been saying all along, like, you guys realize this is genocide. Like, you are destroying an entire race. Uh, and Worf and, and Picard defend it by saying, we're at war, you know, with this race. We, we will do whatever we have to do. Um, but... Now that he sees a member of that race, not as, uh, again, just part of this large collective that he hates, but as an individual, he, he can't do that. Uh, and, and so in this scene, he, they're, they're, <laughs> I love this moment where they're debating, you know, well, what are we going to do with you yeah. now? <laughs> well, we can't send him back. Uh, do we just put him back down there? And they're like, well, uh, then the Borg will erase his memories, and that's kind of cruel to give him individuality, and then have the Borg just erase it and take it away. Uh, and Crush is like, should we ask yeah. you <laughs> what he wants? Um, since we're talking about him as an individual now, uh, you, since we've moved beyond him being just a lab right. rat. Um, and they, they do have that conversation. Picard, it's Picard, Jordy and Hugh have a conversation uh-huh. about what, you know, it, it, they lay out what the situation is and they ask, hey, Hugh I'm what quite he confident. Wants. This is the part that I only saw once today. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Hugh reacts when they, when they say, you know, we can we can hold you here. And he says, well, no, the Borg will come and destroy the ship. Uh, and they say, but if we put you back, they will wipe your memory and you'll become what you were before. 
And he, I wrote down the quote. He says, you are many, I am one. What I want is not important. Because I say, well, what do you want? He's like, well, you got to put me down. <laughs> You're many, right. I am one. Uh, which, when this whole episode hinges on this distinction between part of the collective and individuality, that, that's an in, it, to me, that's it's a very fascinating Spock-ish. quote that they used. Right? The needs yes, of the, the, Star Trek the, needs of the many outweigh the, the many needs of the few. Of the, uh, one. of the one, I think. The few or the one. Yeah, it's a couple different times. And there's a few variations of that, I think, throughout. The famous one is from the Wrath yes. of Khan, uh, when he sacrifices himself. And when we're, you know, debating the nature of being an individual who makes their own choices versus being part of a group, and he's he's defending the larger group as an individual, uh, to me that was just an interesting yeah. turn. So the thought that I had earlier that I shelved, I'll say it now. Um, and it's this. Uh... The Borg, the thing that makes the Borg so terrifying is that they take you and they assimilate you into their collective. Um, And it seems like there's a way, like if I squint my eyes and sort of turn my head sideways, um, what they're doing with this Borg is assimilating him into their human collective, right? Yeah. And so if he had said, like, you know what? You guys are my friends. I want to stay with you. It would have been just the the mirror of what the Borg do, right? They've just taken someone mm-hmm. from their collective and in a place where he was totally happy. And they've ripped him out of that, made him feel lonely, and then said, hey, now you're part of us. Giving him Stockholm right. Syndrome. <laughs> I'm like, hey, now you're part of us. And so uh, it seems like in keeping with the um, the ethics of the Star Trek universe... Like, their only option was to send him back. And they're like, no, we're not going to yeah, do they're... that. Like, we're better than the Borg. We're not going to assimilate him into our thing. We're going to let him go back and, like, make his choice. And his choice uh, just, like, fortunately happens to be for him to go back so that we don't look like the Borg as we're flying off and, into the stars. And Picard, uh, in that scene when they're debating what to do with with Hugh, he does say exactly that, that, you know, if I send him back, we're going to become the monster we're fighting. Uh, if I send him back just to destroy them, uh, which is, you know, the, uh, a classic debate of what, you know, when does your preservation make you into the very thing that you're fighting? Right. But what I'm saying is Uh, sending him back, sending him back as a Trojan horse would not have been turning into the, into the monster they were fighting, keeping him on the ship. That would have been turning into the monster they were fighting. Because it would have been the pure assimilation. Yeah, there's um, a review of this episode that I read from the AV Club, and we'll have the, the link to that in the show notes. Um, but the person who was writing it, uh, they said that, in a way, the Borg are the perfect foil to the Federation, because the Federation, with the Prime Directive, always kind of dances around their interactions with young cultures, uh-huh. and when do they get introduced? You know, they have to develop work technology before they get introduced into the Federation, and, you know, are given knowledge of what else is out there, because they don't want to mess with the development, whereas the Borg, they just steamroll right. everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's no delicacy. It's you are going to become us, uh, and, and you know, part of the collective. And um, when Jordy says, like, you know, uh, we're, I uh, earlier on he says, like, I want to learn about the Borg uh, and find out what makes you know your race tick, essentially. And uh, Hugh says, we assimilate all races, and then we know everything yeah. about them. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, isn't that simpler? And Jordy goes, yeah, but that that's not the way we do it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, so they decide to send him back, and, I mean, he sacrifices himself, 
and uh, in order to save his I, well, friends, his so, new friends. What well, I guess with that quote where he says, "I am one, and you are many," so what choice do I have? It's not he's not just concerned about the many because he specifically says, "I can't let Jordy be yeah. killed. Jordy is my yeah. friend, um, and if I stay here, Jordy will die." So because of that. And because of everyone else, so Jordy plus everyone else yeah. <laughs> means that I don't really have a choice. I have to go down. I have to go back down. And Jordy uh, accompanies him back down because uh, they say, you know, the Borg will not bother you. They're uh, they're sing- they have a singular purpose on this mission. It's going to be to recover the dead and recover the survivor. They're not going to care right. if you're standing there. Which again, that opening scene where <laughs> where yeah. Picard's like, well, oh, you can't help them. The the Borg will know we were here. Uh, it no longer holds any water. There's a distinction because they hide the Enterprise inside the sun. Or something right. like within the the heliosphere. Oh, I guess or that's what Todd was saying and about so, the... so the Enterprise might have been of interest, but Geordi is not. Okay, that might have been what Todd was saying before about they they kind of have a uh, a special caveat in all their missions if they encounter the Enterprise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that if one take find, that one. Out. If they find Picard, <laughs> then they then it's no holds barred. They, they have a, a higher uh, mission that that takes yeah, over. Like right. He, I mean, you would think that if Picard were down on that planet. You think that they would they, they would, would not him. ignore him. <laughs> they they recognize him he recognized him immediately. So Yuri yeah. Locutus. Yes. So they're down there and it's um I kind of like this this scene. So Jordy's kind of watching and uh Hugh they they, you know, hook up with their little <laughs> their little hand, they do the little hand thing, they they connect him back into the into the collective, the collective, and then they start disappearing as they beam back to their mothership. And at the very, very end, right as they're as they're beaming away, Hugh's eyes just shift down to Jordy one last time. Like, uh, like they're still like Hugh's still there, which is nice. Yeah, it uh, it leaves it open-ended for the audience as to what's going to happen now. Because, um, I don't know if we've covered this, but they said maybe when the Borg upload Hugh's memories, and even if they wipe out Hugh, you know, Hugh's, Hugh's individuality, when they bring him back into the collective, the memory that he became Hugh and not just third of five, uh, that will be shared instantly with all mm-hmm. of the Borg who are part of the collective. And maybe that will sow the seeds, uh, you know, a different kind of virus. Not the destroy the whole race virus, but maybe the... the the you know because the hope or the the possibility of individuality will be yeah. reintroduced to the Borg. It was nice. I liked it. Yeah, good episode. And like I said, I really like Jordy's arc uh, throughout. There are several others that have changes, um, but uh, to see his friendship develop with with Hugh, barring that really cheesy scene where he names him, <laughs> uh, was <laughs> uh, it, it was fun to watch um, and. Again, it's been a long time since I've really engaged with an episode of Star Trek, even though I, uh, once upon a time I was watching every episode that was airing. Uh, and it was, it was like comfortable to go back and see, see these characters yeah, again. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I, uh, I, I noticed as I went in onto Netflix and opened up my, uh, Next Generation, I had watched 17 episodes of season one at some point when I had, when I had said, I'm going to watch every single episode. Uh, so I made it 17 episodes in, and I was like, "Whoa, this is not really the greatest thing." <laughs> so there, there's, <laughs> but I really, I really, uh, really like this episode, and I went back and started yeah. watching um, the "Is It Best of Both Worlds" when he when they yeah. assimilate um, Picard, and that's actually Picard. pretty good. I mean, I liked I liked it. 
I've heard um, the reverse uh, somewhere online. They said the reverse of jumping the shark, which is when a, a TV series goes bad, is Riker's beard, uh, which is when a, a TV series starts out really unevenly and kind of bad but becomes awesome. <laughs> because I think it's in season two or three, uh, Riker suddenly has a beard in season two because season one's kind of really uneven and has a few really clunker episodes <laughs> that are bad. Uh, but then it gets awesome once Riker grows a beard. <laughs> So in the, in the same way of jumping the shark, you could have a, a show grow Wrecker's beard. Yes, <laughs> as it progresses. I, the, the 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 original series kind of went the opposite, where season one and two had the most famous episodes and the best ones, and then season three it got really kind yeah. of mm, what's going on. Uh, and there were all sorts of behind the scenes issues of the, who was in charge and who was doing the story editing that led to that. Uh, and the next generation started out kind of, Ooh, is this really? <laughs> It's really going to be it, uh, but then it, it, it finds its footing in the, in the latter. I seasons. think our podcast is going to find Riker's beard. <laughs> it's going to get better and better. I I absolutely agree. We're we're clearly clearly on that course. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think with every topic that we've covered on the podcast, every every story, um, there's been moments where I've been thinking about it, like, is there going to be enough for a full podcast? And I definitely had that with this, but as <laughs> As we found with everyone that we've done so far, <laughs> uh, when you start to think about these narratives, there's usually enough meat there that you you can pull it apart and pick it apart and find new angles. Uh, even in our conversations, uh, we're getting new things that I never would have considered yeah. before. It's good. That's why they're great characters and great stories. I mean, great great stories will always there will always be plenty to talk about. So if we ever run, if we ever run right. into not having something to talk about, we'll know that we picked a, a, either a bad character or a bad story <laughs> or both. We misfired. <laughs> Uh, and if anyone wants to help us to not do that, if they have suggestions for us, there are a number of ways that they can get a hold of us. Yeah, take your pick. Um, we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called the Protagonist Podcast Group. It's all right. Yes. Uh, we, you can send us email uh, at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at, at protagonistpod. You can find uh, each of us individually on Twitter. I'm at Todd K. Mack. He's at Jay Dorowski, and Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Um, and we just love any comments, corrections, suggestions for characters. I hate, um, <laughs> I just, th- I, I think that it would be impossible to overstate how uh, great it is to get feedback from people. Um, on what we're doing because uh anyway we're working hard and trying to do our best and on that note (laughs) we actually are working hard and um and we would like to uh make a little bit of money (laughs) doing this or or at least cover the cost at least cover our costs (laughs) so if you're netflix ain't right so there are costs involved with um, putting this podcast on we've um, had to get a little bit of equipment and uh, and host the website and the podcast um, and pay for things like Netflix and books. And I know you're like, oh, you have the worst job in the world. You have to you have to watch movies and read <laughs> watch books. Star Trek. Yeah. But like, um, you know, it's cost, and we have families to support. And so, if you're interested in helping us out. Um, there's a way to do it. So if you go to our website, which is uh, protagonistpodcast.com, there's a link and uh, to a Patreon site. And Patreon is really, really cool. Uh, it's a site where you can become a patron, a patron of the arts, like the, like in the old days. Um, and so you just make a pledge to uh, support us each month. So you can say, you know what, these guys... 
they're doing a good job. They're working hard. They give me four hours of entertainment every single week. Uh, how much is that worth to you? Every, every single, single month. month. <laughs> We're not going. <laughs> if, if, we keep talking, if we keep talking, it will be. Um, that Tangled episode was about almost that. So, um, so uh, you say, they're giving me four hours of entertainment a month. How much is that worth to me? Is it worth a dollar? Then you pledge a dollar, and then we'll get a dollar from you every month. And that's awesome. And, uh, and if you want to pledge more, you can. We have specific goals set up. Um, so if we reach certain benchmarks, then we'll be able to do things like um, pay for like pay for our website or um, something that I I would really love to do but just simply can't afford right now would be to do uh, new releases of films and so if we reach a certain point and we're making enough money to be able to go out with our wives and watch a new movie as it comes out then that would be I think really cool so uh, so anyway uh, patreon it's a great way to support us and um, and we invite you to go to the website at um, protagonistpodcast.com and click on the link and make a donation. Help us out. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we will be with you next week with another episode in which we look at a great character and a great story. So long. See ya. You have a hush button on your mic. I do. It's on the other side of the mic from where I'm sitting. I think. Is it that? Is, it, is the mic that big? Yeah. It's like a redwood, like a redwood tree. You can't reach your, you can't reach your arms all the way around it.